wheat volatility is riding high. And the cattle price won't slide. We wonder what's going to happen next. Smart money's buying sheep. Your advice comes pretty cheap. Why don't you ask what we can do? Just the two of us. Making podcasts on the fly. Just, Just the, the two, two of us. us. Just, Just the two of us. of us. You and you I. And I. Welcome back to another Ag Watchers podcast. <laughs> you try to you try to do it a bit more Scottish, eh? It's not. It's just my normal accent, eh? Mm-hmm. Ken. Mm-hmm. Just thought we would have another two of us episode. We're we're out and about this week, so we don't really get the chance to sit down for long enough to to really chit chat with our distinguished guest. It's been so, very busy. It's been very busy, um, and it will get busier into June. We're out and about a lot, aren't we? Uh, yeah, we're all place. Where are we in June? We're VFF conference presenting mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Wolf conference presenting there. Yep. Sheep then producers. you go. Yeah, Sheep producers. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Um, geez, it's just all over the place. Corporate events as well. We are just everywhere. You still there? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I am. Oh, yeah. I just uh, just was a call call came through that I had to get rid of. Oh well, technical <laughs> professional podcasting. That's it. Right, off. What's happening in livestock? Uh, Price-wise, we've seen, or uh, well, at least for young cattle markets, it's gone up a little bit, back up around that eleven thirty level, give or take, for the ecchi and um, heavy steer. Just seems to be moving around between four thirty and four sixty a cents a kilo live weight. So it's just been doing that for for months now. Um, and sheep, sheep and lamb, um, well, at least for mutton, mutton prices have get got back above six dollars, six hundred cents. Um, and they're looking pretty strong. Um, lambs yet to really start to take off to see that we, you know, the climb we normally see in winter. But um, I think that's not far away. Um, it looks like supply is starting to dwindle. And actually, speaking of supply, I did a bit of a, a look at um, how this year was shaping up for both slaughter and yardings compared to the 10-year trend. And this year and last year have been the two most, I guess, tightest seasons we've seen in over a decade. So, so just to look at... Well, just to look at not where much, they are. Not much slaughterings. Not yeah, yes. Yeah, low slaughterings compared to the ten-year trend and low levels of yarding at the sale yard. So for slaughter, currently this year it's down thirty-nine percent below the below the ten-year trend, and yarding's down thirty-three percent. And that, so that's that's the lowest it's been in over a decade. Um, but but the most lowest season or the tightest season, other than this year, is last year. So we've had two years consecutively of very tight seasons. Which look, no surprise given. That we're in the um, the midst of a, a pretty strong rebuild for both cattle and sheep. Can I ask you a question, Matt? Yep. Are, are things? Are you struggling at the moment? Am I struggling? How do you mean? You know, financially. Oh, uh no, I'm okay. Why is that? Just, I just noticed that I'm wearing a t-shirt, yeah, and I'm feeling quite <laughs> quite balmy, and I can see this. I can, I can I can see the uh, the cold air coming out your mouth on the camera. <laughs> because I'm I've moved into the actual room that's got the heater on has got a fan running and it makes a bit of noise, like a bit of background hum. So I've moved into the room that's unheated at the moment at the other end of the house. There you go. So I'm not, I'm not kind of living on dog food and turning the heating off. That's what you mean? Yet, yet. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm having a hot drink so that every time I breathe out with the hot, hot drink, there's the, uh, you know, the mist. Every time you sip your soy latte. The, uh, what, what, and what I'm was... just trying to, make, I'm trying to make it all misty and foggy to remind you at home. You know, the, the, the misty moors of Loch Lomond. Ah, to a miss. We timorous beastie. The, uh, what about US as well? The US is 
it's coming in destocking phase or restock? It's yeah, no, that's no, they're, they're, yeah. So they so where if you look at something like the female slaughter ratio, so you can look at that in both Australia and the US, and actually the threshold is pretty similar. Forty-seven percent is the threshold between rebuild and destocking in, um, you know, in, in Australia and in uh, in uh, US, it's about forty-eight percent. So similar ratios. Now, if you look at where we are in Australia, we're at the lowest we've been in over a decade. Um, below 41%. So that's the lowest since December 2011. Um, so that's showing how strong we're rebuilding. But then in uh, in the US, they're at 52%. So above and and in right in the midst of a liquidation phase. And that's actually that's actually the highest it's been since 1986. And that's how far the data goes back. So you've got this really curious scenario where we're heavily rebuilding and they're heavily destocking right now. Like the yin and the yang. That's it. The yin and the yank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if so, let, let, let's let's run a scenario then, yeah. Yep. A couple of years time, we have a drought and we start destocking. Mm-hmm. But then theory could be at a time when the US is restocking, so you could still have pretty strong meat prices. Yeah, co- technically, yes. In theory, yeah, theory, yeah, it might might not occur, but it could do. Or, or we have, a, if, depending upon, I mean, there's a chance we're going to see a drought some stage this decade, right? Possibly in the middle of the decade, I, through I think a year most, or two. Most likely. There's not, has there been a, actually, here's, a, here's one for you. Mm. Has there ever been a decade that we haven't Fed, had a drought? Since Federation that we haven't had a drought. I reckon there possibly would be, but they'd be only, there would maybe only be one. Mm. Yeah. You're guessing. Yeah. Yeah. I am, I'm, I'm just trying to think because I did some analysis on, on kind of, you know, drought to, to wet cycles a little while back. And uh, there were a few times where there was a big gap between either, but they were, you know, many decades ago. And um, like more recently, if you look back the last 50 years or so, I'd say probably no, there hasn't been a decade. We haven't had a drought, but um, maybe there might be somewhere in the early 1900s or something that we had a, a period of normal weather or or normal to slightly wetter, perhaps. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty cyclical though. So look, like I say, there's a fair chance we're going to see one middle of this decade. And it depends on how, how severe it is, whether it's a, you know, a decent kind of two, three year or more worth. And if it gets to that, that stage where you get a decent one, like we saw in 1415, and that happens at the same time as the US you know, going through their rebuild phase, we could see a bit of a similar scenario that played out back in 1415 when, when the US were looking for product and the demand was high, but their supplies were low. And, and we were at a stage where we were destocking, so our prices from a, which, from a, which, from a, which, which which meant that the, the price for the, the margins for the processes went up the export price went yeah, up. yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah it didn't yeah, necessarily yeah, mean yeah, the massive. cattle price went up uh the cattle price drifted lower but at the same time but, as but the margins US were really, increased. yeah yeah and yeah and the us were prices there were booming and so the because you know, a lot of it's exported of course that the, there was a lot of margin availability for the processes because we, we sent that was when the us for two years the us became our number one destination for beef product so it was, uh, yeah, and so yeah, you could see that again, and it could it could just mean that instead of our prices getting pressured more, you know, lower to to a high degree, they they'll still probably get pressured, but they might not go down as much if it coincides with when the US are, are in a rebuild. Well, it is what it is. It and what happen. about uh, what about but, grains? Well, that's, that's it. I mean, you know, livestock that's kind of price wise not as exciting, but yeah, the, the supply side's been a little bit interesting just because of the data that's been released recently. Look. I mean, with, with the grains, it's still the same sort of thing we've been talking about basically for the last 104 days, I think it is now, since Russia invaded Ukraine. And that the biggest bearish factor on the marketplace will be 
the Ukrainian ports opening. And we saw that last week. We saw a fairly substantial fall. I think last Tuesday was the seventh largest daily fall in Aussie dollar terms since 2000. Yep. So let's call it 22 years, give or take. 21 and a, plus, 21 and a bit years. So it's a fairly substantial fall, seventh, seventh largest fall. The reality is, though, that was off the back of one word. And, and that's why I love about markets is one word can change everything. And that was basically uh, the UN saying there's been constructive talks with Putin. And it was just that one word constructive was enough to get the market spooked. And then the market collapsed. That is what will, will drive the market lower is Ukraine reopening. However, I've still got, I take everything when it comes to talks with Russia at the moment with a massive pinch of salt in the anything will substantially occur. I think, you know, there's still a lot of caveats around Russia's requests in that they want to, uh, they want to basically the sanctions to be re-examined, but I cannot see the sanctions really being re-examined with them still bombing uh, most of Ukraine or large parts of Ukraine. So that's that. Then on Sunday or Saturday or Sunday, they bombed a uh, grain terminal in Ukraine, which fairly substantive one, which is obviously uh, it's probably more destructive than constructive, I would say. And that doesn't really bode well. We saw the market rise off the back of that. Uh, so on the, on the Monday, it was up 28 Aussie dollars. So a fairly, fairly big rise. But the reality is that there are still talks going on. Uh, there is some agreement being reached with Turkey and that boats can leave Ukrainian ports, initially just Odessa. Uh, but the idea is that the Turkish Navy will demine the area, but they'll also escort the vessels through a corridor. Um, I think the old fog of war applies in this and that we don't really know what that means. Does this mean that they can take out the boats that are already being blockaded in there or does this mean the export flows you know we can get new boats in there and and start actually either way it's not going to be a, a normal situation you know you're just going to sending stuff like they normally would so you've got to think there's going to be more difficult and well, I, less, I kind of, less volumes still right it's, it's going to be less volumes and at the moment we're only talking about one port as well by the sounds mm. of it and mm. the reality is that we've got a situation where well ship owners are going to be wanting a premium to go into Black Sea ports. I would. Mm. Know, I wouldn't be sticking my boat in there without some some surety that I'm not going to get bombed by mistake. And so that's that's a big a big risk. Uh, look, and that's and that's going to be the main thing driving it. I think the other thing as well is we're starting to see, you know, France has started to stabilise. We saw consecutive weeks of downgrades in in the condition of the crop. The US is the same. It's stabilised. Frankly, the U.S. winter wheat crop is stabilized at terrible conditions, but it's at least stabilized. And, you know, parts of Europe are looking pretty well. Ukraine, you know, whilst we're talking about the export capacities down, the crop conditions are pretty good. Russia's crop conditions are really good. And Australia's crop conditions are really good. So I think... My main if, concern if, is... If, if, if it wasn't for the geopolitical problems, then you'd see pretty much a lot of price pressure, wouldn't you? Yeah, and that's if, and that's when, when early on this year and, and, and last year, we talked about the, the risk of uh, cost price squeeze on, on, on growers with the fact that we're paying that high fertilizer early on in the year. And the, and the reality is that the Russian invasion has 
kind of stopped that being as big of an issue. However, if that Russian invasion hadn't occurred, well, it's a bit of crystal ball gazing, but our prices would be, they wouldn't be fantastic, I don't think. Mm. And, and we would be struggling with a cost price squeeze on grains. What's the story with, because um, we, we saw just a week or so ago, I think it was now too, we had um, the cattle on feed numbers get released and Australia's gone back to a record levels of cattle on feed this this quarter, just gone, the first quarter of 2022. So and I know- be, Must be making good margins then. Wow. I, I know that as well. We're obviously, we've got the pig farm and, and you know, we speak to people in the pork sector and uh, fairly regularly and, and there is a concern- and chickens and eggs. And chickens and eggs, yeah. So there's, you know, a lot of those users of, you know, feed users in Australia. What's the what's the kind of feeling around the feed price uh, in Australia? Is it is it kind of, you know, it's just still going to stick like, at high levels or is it like well, the, the harvest the, coming up? Well, yeah. the feed, there's a lot of concerns and it, and it depends what industry you're in. Mm. Some industries, you know, cattle is probably marginal-wise you can make it work, I think. But chickens pretty hard to get an increase in your chicken price mm. and so you've got you've seen that chart over time chicken price over 20 mm. years flat 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 <laughs> yeah, flat, yeah. flat 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 yeah. flat flat yeah. grain price up down up down up down whereas now there's an attempt to try and get increased uh, chicken prices and i think some some buyers are, are sort of probably more willing now because they understand that well a supply chain has to work together mm. um but it's it's going to be an interesting one. Speaking of that, one of the interesting things is the the foot and mouth disease. Oh yeah. And so looking at those cattle on feed numbers, yeah. So that's big big volumes of of grain that's consumed New South Wales, Queensland for the most part. And we keep hearing about foot and mouth disease all the time, but it's a risk for grains as well. Because if you think about if we had a foot and mouth outbreak here, yeah. This a uh, big one. Oh, you mean a big one? Well, mediums, even even just one located in New South Wales, Victoria, and uh, New South mm. Wales, Queensland. Queensland, yeah. yeah. Uh, it would be enough to shut down that export market, mm. and well, you wouldn't have as many people deciding to put cattle on feed because they'd be worried about that margin. Same as what we're seeing in Indonesia. Nobody's importing cattle into Indonesia now mm. because, well, I'm not going to take the risk if they're all going to get culled. Mm. But if you had the likes of um, pigs cattle on feed, just those two alone, you're talking a really substantial volume of grain, which could be taken out of the market. Like to give an example on that UK outbreak, just because you didn't have, you might have had, not had food and mouth disease or might not even be a susceptible area, but it was too much of a risk to continue breeding pigs in case you mm. got it. Mm. So, so that is a risk. You know, we're talking substantial volumes. If you think about as, as a customer for Australia, yeah. Yeah, yeah. cattle on feed is the biggest customer, I believe single if you if you group them as one country it's the biggest country for for australian grain mm. you know what i mean mm. and so that is that is a major risk and i think that's why industries grains has to be working alongside uh, livestock to try and keep strong biosecurity protocols mm. yeah but, good and then that moves us on to one year two years sorry since we effectively since we, lost since... effectively lost china as a customer, and I thought, thought you were going to say two years since we started up the new enterprise. But it's not, it's not two about years, the same. It's not no, two, nearly. It's yeah. actually. I actually think it's probably. It might be two years to the day. I think that we mm. uh, we handed a notice in. Could be. I'm pretty sure. I'll have to look up on uh, Twitter to mm. see if because I put a tweet up on that day. 
Jeez, mm. oh, time goes by when you're having fun. <laughs> For some of us. <laughs> um, but yeah, two years, two years since that Bali ban was put in place. I still hear a lot of people, even people in the industry, saying it hasn't affected us. I think that's nonsense on stilts. Mm. I think the reality is that we've seen, you know, the discount between barley and wheat, you know, come to large levels. It's starting to erode now and come back to more normal levels, but that's taken two years. Mm. Um, the discount to French barley is massive. And that basically, it went from being a premium to a discount, funnily enough, about the same week that we lost China, and then it stayed at a discount. Uh, but the interesting thing is we have diversified a bit. Uh, we have picked up good volume into Vietnam, Saudi Arabia, um, but and I'm going to put this out there. I was just going to say, in the long run, does that mean that's a, potentially a better thing if we've diversified, or do you think if I, if it reverts back to normal, we'll just go back to sending it back to China? It won't matter. Diversification of commodity markets is nonsense, in my view. But <laughs> who will buy it? Who are you going to sell to? For instance, we don't sell. Australia doesn't sell a ton of grain to anyone, other than through aid programs. We have Jimmy the trader selling to Jenny the trader overseas, and that's who sells grain. And what are they going to do? They don't give a monkeys about diversification. It's about who has got the extra dollars. So I'll, I'll put $50 down, big money, mm. that in, once this effective ban is gone, uh, within two to three years of that ban occurring, China will be our biggest uh, biggest purchaser of Australian barley again. Mm. Guarantee it. $50 on the table now. Uh, but that's the thing. Like, yeah, okay, we're getting more markets, yeah? But it's still, you're selling to who has the best price on the day. That's the way it works. That's the way markets just, work. I, I wonder, though, with the, all the disruption to COVID and you know, how we had all these supply chain disruptions we, see, we continue to have, and, you know, the issues with China we've had with trade and political kind of, you know, problems um has that made people think maybe it's not just about who pays who's, who's, the most who's or, people you know? who's people made people think jimmy on the street angus down the coffee shop who gives the monkeys mm. what they think mm. like the reality is it's trade to trade it's angus selling to joseph in china mm. and that is it it's what they mm. decide they want to do it's not what and and diversification is an interesting thing but when it comes to grains, I don't think it's really that necessarily all that relevant. Mm -hmm. All we've got to do is make sure we've got as many doors open, whether it's through phytosanitary agreements, free trade agreements, all that type of stuff. That is what helps us. But what it helps is it helps traders be able to export into more markets. However, it's still going to be who is paying the most. You're not going to be saying, right, I've got, I can sell, you know, 100,000 into China at $400 a tonne. But I might just send 50,000 of it off to the sedan for $200 a ton because I want a bit of diversity, you know? Mm -hmm. Nonsense. Not going to happen. Anyway, it's my rant for the day. Right. Fair point. Right. Oh, well, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Mm -hmm. We'll be back next week. We've got another guest next week. I've got one booked in, actually, for next Monday. Yep. And we, might, we can maybe do another one this week at some point if we have some time in our busy, hectic schedules. So there we go. Alright. All right. See when you got nothing on. To the loo.